Let's take our Bibles tonight. We're going to turn to the book of Matthew in chapter number 5. We've been on Sunday nights uh, going through kind of verse by verse the uh, what we know as the Sermon on the Mount, these kind of core teachings of Jesus and his ministry right at the uh, kind of the, in, the, in the, the beginning of his ministry as we're introduced to him uh, as he's trying to teach his disciples some things uh, about how they are to live as disciples. And as I've mentioned before, uh, these teachings that are found here in Matthew 5 and 6 and 7, this section of the Bible that deals with this, many of these things to us uh, that have kind of grown up in a world that has been so influenced by Christianity, many of these things don't seem so strange to us. But you have to understand the setting and the, the, the place of this. Basically everything that Jesus said was contrary to their culture and their way of life. And so these things would have been very controversial. They would have been even somewhat shocking. And maybe more than that, they would have rubbed people the wrong way because essentially what Jesus is doing is correcting them on their way of life. And personally, I kind of have grown accustomed to and even enjoy when, when the Lord uh, does that for me. You know, he kind of rubs me the wrong way and shows me, hey, you're, you're wrong and you need to get things right. But, but uh, really, the, the truth is none of us like to be told that we're wrong, do we? And so this, these things would have been considered very controversial and, and, uh, and, and probably would have upset many people. But what he was doing was challenging his disciples to see beyond uh, just the, I guess, man-made idea of what is right and wrong. And he even challenged uh, the Old Testament law. Now what was interesting about that is he was the giver of the Old Testament law, right? I mean, it was, it was Jesus who gave the law to Moses to give to the people. And so many of these teachings would seemingly contradict what was, what was written in the Old Testament... But what Jesus is doing is actually getting to the heart of the matter and essentially saying, listen, you think this way because the letter of the law specifies this, but I want you to know that I am more concerned with your heart and spirit and attitude in the way that you do things. And so we, we looked, we've looked at several of these things. Of course, the first part of this chapter deals with the, the Beatitudes, those contradictory statements, right? Blessed are the poor in spirit, and blessed are they which are persecuted, and blessed are they which do hunger and thirst, and, and all of those things. But, but it's, it's him kind of turning things around. Last week, we looked at something that is still somewhat uh, of a hot-button issue, I guess, within churches, the issue of divorce and remarriage and all of those types of things. And tonight, we're going to look at one that you may have a tendency, as I have in the past, to just kind of read through this and wonder, what does this even have to do with me? Because I don't ever even do that to begin with. I think you'll see as we get into the message tonight, Matthew chapter 5, we'll begin reading in verse number 33. If you're able, would you stand with me as we uh, read verses 33 through 37? Jesus says here, Again ye have heard that it hath been said by them of old time, Thou shalt not forswear thyself, but shalt perform unto the Lord thine oaths. But I say unto you, swear not at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool, neither by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king, 
Neither shalt thou swear by thy head, because thou canst not make one hair white or black. But let your conversation be yea, yea, nay, nay. For whatsoever is more than these cometh of evil. I want to preach to you a message tonight simply entitled, I Swear. All right? And let's have a word of prayer. Father, would you speak to us through your word tonight? Would you help us to understand the meaning of this text that is before us, but also how it applies to us even in the 21st century uh, as Christians trying to live lives pleasing to you? Lord, work through your word tonight, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. So he starts off this section of the passage here, and he says that, that the, ye have heard that it hath been said by them of old time, thou shalt not forswear thyself, but thou shalt perform unto the Lord thine oaths. He's referencing actually the Old Testament law back in the book of Leviticus, and again in Deuteronomy, the Lord uh, told his people that they were not to uh, swear or, or make an oath to the Lord and then fail to perform that, but they were to perform unto the Lord thine oaths. They were to do that which they had sworn to do. And now Jesus is saying, okay, you, you've heard that that was said before, but I say unto you, swear not at all. Now from what I've read, and I've read this a couple different places, that by this point in the history of the nation of Israel, the Jews had kind of made a habit of just in their everyday speech and language to uh, basically swear by things. It was just kind of part of their vernacular uh, that they would uh, just reference maybe what we would be uh, more accustomed to today is you'll hear people say, and I don't recommend it because we're not to take the Lord's name in vain, but you'll hear people say, well, I swear to God. Right? We hear that. Or if someone's real serious, they might say something like, well, I swear on my mother's grave. Right? And, and, and we, we would say, uh, we don't use those terms very frequently uh, in, in our vernacular, but apparently this had become a very customary thing just in everyday life and language that they would just swear by things. Well, I, I swear by heaven that I'm going to do this, or I swear by the earth that I'm going to do such and such, or this has been done. And the, uh, again, from what I have read, the, the implication was as long as you are not using God's name, as long as you are not bringing the Lord into uh, your oath, then you're not really bound by it. It's just you can, you can just kind of say it in everyday conversation, and it, it, it's not really a big deal. And so this had become customary and common, and now Jesus is saying, listen, uh, you need to do away with that. You need to do away with making these oaths or swearing because it's just not right, it's just not good. Now, again, you might look at this and say, well, uh, you know, I don't really make oaths. I don't really swear by things that I'm going to do something, so how does this apply to me? Well, let's look at what Jesus was really saying here, and I think that you'll get into that. I want you to notice that he says in verse 34, But I say unto you, swear not at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool, neither by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. So he addresses the issue of consecration. He addresses the issue of sanctity. And he says to them, listen, you have this mindset as long as you don't 
swear to God, to the Lord, and bring his name into it, that you can just kind of go about your business and, 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 and just flippantly say, well, I'm going to swear by heaven or swear by the earth or swear by Jerusalem or whatever the case might be. He says, I don't want you to do that. Why? Well, verse 34, swear not at all, neither by heaven, listen to this, for it is God's, uh, for it is God's throne. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a, a promise or I'm going to make a statement. I'm not going to bring God into it, but I'll just use heaven. And Jesus says, well, don't do that because that's God's throne. Okay, well, I'm going to just ignore uh, heaven. I'll just leave heaven out of it and I'll just, you know, the earth. What is the earth? It's, it's nothing, right? It's corrupt. It's full of sin. and wicked. So I'll just, I, I can flippantly say I'm going to swear by the earth. But Jesus says, no, you can't do that because it's God's footstool. Oh, okay, well, I guess I'll swear by the city of Jerusalem. I mean, after all, that's just one little city in the middle of this great big world. It's not that big of a deal. No, because that's the city of the great king. What is Jesus really saying? Listen to this. Jesus is saying, you need to be careful by, by, by what things you would make an oath or a covenant because all of these things that you may think are not sacred are sacred. Why are they sacred? Because God is involved in them. And I think there's a larger principle at play here than just simply swearing oaths. The idea was this. Jesus is really bringing this down to say everything in your life, now that you are a follower of Christ, everything is sacred because everything matters to God. Did you know that as a child of God, everything you do, everything in your life matters to him? The words that come out of your mouth matter. The, the, the thoughts that are in your mind matter. The things that you look at matter. And, and here was the problem. If you remember, Jesus' biggest debates and issues were often with the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, who had basically taken the Old Testament law and they said, okay, we want to be very careful not to violate this. And so they actually made a bunch of their own rules in order to try and protect people and themselves from violating God's law. And so they had even elevated those rules and commandments to the same level as what God had said. They were teaching for doctrine the commandments of men. That was a big problem. But the bigger problem at play with the Pharisees was... They were all concerned about the outside, but not so much the heart. They, they were concerned about do this and do this. Oh, this is okay over here. You can go ahead and dabble in this. That's fine. Just make sure you don't do this over here. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 this is a heart issue. Listen, there have been times in my life, even when I was away from God, as a saved person who was backslidden and away from God, I had this idea in my mind, I... I know that God doesn't want me to be involved in certain activities that I was doing. But I never wanted to bring those things into... I, I never wanted to... I, I felt like I had two worlds. I was, I was this dichotomy, you know? I had uh, 
my selfish life, my fleshly life, and then I had my spiritual life, and never the twain shall meet, you know? And so I'll come do this over here. Don't talk to me about the Lord. I'm not going to... I mean, I was very careful about things. When I, was, when I was doing things that I knew the Lord didn't want me to do, I wasn't praying. I wasn't talking to God. I, there were things that I didn't do that I would do outside of church that I wouldn't do in church. Like, for instance, when I was with my friends, there was a lot of language that I used that I would never use in the house of God. Not just because I didn't want to get caught, but I felt like that's not right. Why? Because, well, church is a holy place, and this is God's house, and I need to be very careful about how I live and act in God's house. I know it's not right to do it when I'm not in church, but it's not as big of a sin if I'm not in church. That was the way that my mind thought. But do you know what? I was wrong. Do you know why? Listen, this is not the temple of the Holy Ghost. This is the temple of the Holy Ghost. And what I do in my life as a believer in Christ, whether in church or out of church, whether it's something that I view as sacred and holy, whether I'm taking communion in church and participating in the Lord's Supper, or I'm sitting down to a meal at home with my family, it all matters to God because I am His. And so it, 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 I, I can't look at something and say, this doesn't matter to God, but this does. And that's really what they had done. They had become flippant and vain in their approach to life as though certain things matter to God, certain things are holy and good, and other things God doesn't really care about that. And what Jesus is saying is, no, he does care about that, whether it's heaven or earth or Jerusalem, it all relates to God. And child of God, I want you to know whether you're in church or at work or at home, whether you're reading your Bible and praying or whether you're putting your hand to work or school or whatever it is, God cares about it because you are his and you belong to him. And everything in a believer's life is to be holy and pleasing to the Lord. I want you to go with me to Romans chapter 14, if you would. Romans chapter 14. <clears throat> and notice, <clears throat> we'll begin reading in uh, verse number 5. Now, the context here is, uh, <clears throat> basically, there are, uh, he's addressing the fact that Christians disagree about what things are important. Like, the fact that some people uh, really uh, put a lot of value and stock in stock in, in the Sabbath day or a day of rest or a holy day. And someone else says, well, it's not that big of a deal. Same thing when it comes to food. Some people would say, you know, don't eat food that's, offer, that's been offered to idols. And other people say it doesn't matter. An idol is nothing. And so he's addressing this issue of Christian liberty. But notice what he says in verse number 5. He said, one man esteemeth one day above another. Another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. He that regardeth the day regardeth it unto the Lord. And he that regardeth not the day to the Lord, he doth not regard it. He that eateth, eateth to the Lord, for he giveth God thanks. And he that eateth not to the Lord, he eateth not, and giveth God thanks. Notice these words. For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord. And whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live therefore or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ both died and rose and revived, that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. 
What is he saying here? He's saying, listen, everything you do matters to God. And you need to be fully persuaded in your mind that that which you do is pleasing to the Lord. Whether therefore ye eat or drink, do all to the glory of God, right? Everything you do matters to God. So you can't just compartmentalize and say that this, this is serious, God's serious about that, but this part of my life over here, this is a flippant thing, it doesn't matter. No, it does matter. God cares about what you do. God cares about what you say. God cares about the way that you spend your time. It's okay, for instance, to have some forms of entertainment and things that you like to do and enjoy doing in, in your leisure time. That's okay, but you need to be sure that the way that you're doing them and the time that you're investing in them are pleasing to the Lord, and it's what the Lord would have you to do. Why? Because even little things matter to God. Everything matters to God. So, as we go back to Matthew 5, I think that's really the spirit behind this. Listen, you've, you've got this attitude. You can go out and, 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 and swear these oaths and say this stuff just kind of flippantly, and basically your law and your religious leaders have told you just make sure that you don't swear an oath to the Lord and not perform it. But otherwise, you're good to go. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. Don't do that because everything matters to God. Now, remember also that Jesus said that we'll be judged for every idle word that we speak, didn't he? Now, I want you to notice here in Matthew 5, as we go back there, he says... Look at verse 36. He says, Neither shalt thou swear by thy head, because thou canst not make one hair white or black. Now, I understand that we have hair dye today. All right? So we technically can make hair white or black if we want it to, right? But we can't change the natural color of our hair, can we? Some of us probably would like to. I'm getting white hairs in my beard and my boys constantly point them out and my helpful encouraging and wonderful wife just kind of eggs them on and uh and and uh, they remind me that uh you know you hey there's a white hair in your beard I said well some people have a salt and pepper beard I have a salt and cayenne beard that's just the way it is but uh but but I I wish I could change that I can't I wish I could change the number of hairs on my head some of you do too but I can't, can I? I mean, sure, there are artificial means to try and do that, but ultimately I don't have control over even the simple things of my life. Over one chapter over in chapter 6 and verse 27, Jesus asks the question, he says, which of you by taking thought can add one cubit unto his stature? That's another thing I'd like to do. Maybe not a full cubit, but a half a cubit would be all right, you know. Grow a few inches, it'd be okay. I can't. I can't grow taller just because I put my mind to it. I can't change the hair on my head just because I put my mind to it. And if I can't do that in the simple little things of life, what makes me think that I really have control over my life anyway? Think about this. Don't swear because you ultimately don't control your life. Now, when I, when I make an oath or I, or I swear to something, what I'm really saying is that I am in control and I determine my own destiny and therefore this is what I have determined to do. 
but the Lord here reminds us that no, we don't have as much control over our lives as we think we do. Go over to the book of James, if you would. James chapter 4. <clears throat> James chapter 4, and near the end of the chapter, the Bible says here, beginning in verse number 13, Go to now, ye that say, today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain, whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now ye rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. What's he saying here? He's saying that really when we make plans, and in our mind these are concrete plans that could never be changed, there's a degree of arrogance and there's a degree of presumption that goes along with that, isn't there? Now, I have plans for tomorrow and Tuesday and the remainder of the week and, and really throughout the rest of the year. It seems like most of my days are kind of scheduled out already. And that's just, that's just kind of how life is. We plan things. We have intentions of doing certain things. But the reality is, before this day is over... I may be in eternity. I, I, don't, I can't really say beyond a shadow of a doubt what tomorrow is going to hold for me. In fact, I have had many days that don't go as planned. Have you? Have you ever had the Lord just change your plans? Something comes up and everything else goes out the window. We need to realize that we don't live in as much control as we think that we do. And I believe that Jesus here, as he's telling them, listen, don't swear, he's trying to change their mindset. He's trying to, first of all, appeal to them by saying, listen, everything in your life, it touches God more than you think it does. It does matter to God. And also, you need to remember that you ultimately aren't in control, that God is the one who is sovereign. That God is the one who is in control. And so rather than swearing to him or making an oath about what you're going to do, you need to seek to be led of the Lord. Let him direct your steps. Let him guide you in that. So he talks about the consecration. We, we discussed that. And then he mentioned this issue of control. And then as we go back to Matthew 5, I want to show you that he addresses the issue of their conversation and their speech. He says in verse number 37, But let your communication be yea, yea, nay, nay. For, for whatsoever is more than these cometh of evil. I, um, I grew up, my grandfather, my maternal grandfather, my mom's dad, was the strong, silent type. Okay, uh, He would... I mean, we would go over to their house every, every Sunday. After church, we'd go over there and have lunch with them. And, and uh, I remember coming in, I mean, almost every memory I have, coming into their house on a Sunday afternoon, my grandpa would be sitting in his recliner. And I'd walk in the door, and he'd say, Hi, Brian. 
And that was the only word that I'd hear him say usually until I went to leave. And he'd say, well, thanks for coming. And that was it. I mean, he, the guy just didn't talk much. That's just the way he was. And, and I've looked back on that and I thought, you know, wow. I mean, he just didn't say much. But I've also thought, I bet he's had fewer experiences than I have where he said something he regretted saying. <laughs> Whatsoever is more than yea, yea, nay, nay, cometh of evil. I mean, uh, the, the, in, in, what, what does the Bible say in Proverbs? That in the abundance of words there wanteth not sin or something like that, right? The more I talk, the more trouble I get myself into. That's just the, the reality of the situation. And Jesus says, watch the way that you talk. Did you know your speech matters to the Lord? The words that you say matter to God. And they ought to matter to you. Go over to the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4, and uh, <clears throat> so he's addressing this issue of their mindset regarding uh, the vanity in their speech, I guess, and, and really life in general, uh, the fact that they don't really have as much control as they probably think that they do, but then... Look at verse number 29 of Ephesians 4. The Bible says here, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. In other words, be cautious that the words out of your mouth are not corrupt communication. What's an example of corrupt communication? Well, I think profanity would be one example of that. Uh, curse words, profanity, have no place in the vocabulary of a Christian. They just don't. And I know the arguments, and I know people who say, well, it doesn't matter. I mean, sure, it's maybe a little bit crude, but God doesn't care no, God does care. Paul admonished Timothy to have sound speech which cannot be condemned. I, I mean, th there is a certain way in which people talk that just kind of immediately grates on them. Listen, if it doesn't belong around little children, it doesn't belong in your vocabulary. It just doesn't. Profanity, by the way, do you remember when Peter was denying the Lord? And they said, I, I've seen you with Jesus. Do you remember how he tried to prove to them that he wasn't a follower of Jesus? He began to curse and to swear. That was his proof. See, I'm not one of them. Just want to say that. Profanity has no place in a Christian's vocabulary. But even other than that, how about words? How, how about just speech of things that are... Foolish jesting, which is not convenient. There are just some things that Christians ought not joke about. Uh, Off-color jokes have no place in the vocabulary of a Christian. They just don't. And, and listen, and I've been guilty of this in the past. But things that are just, just not appropriate. Dirty jokes racist statements, I mean, and just things that are offensive and hurtful, 
hurtful words, unkindness in our tone, corrupt speech. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Don't, just don't do it. Your words matter. Your mouth, James talked about this. He said, he, he said with the same mouth will bless God and curse men. It, do, it doesn't make sense. You, you can't take one fountain and, and find sweet waters and bitter water. You, you don't find fresh water and salt water coming out of the same fountain, out of the same uh, uh, mouth of the river. It, it doesn't fit. And listen, your speech is not to be corrupt, Christian. Your words matter. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. So just like we've talked about the fact that everything in our life matters to God, and we ought to say, Lord, is this what you want for me? Is this pleasing to you? We ought to guard our mouth in the same way. The words that I'm about to say, Lord, is this pleasing to you? Is this going to edify? Is this going to build up? Or is it going to tear down? Now, listen, I, I'm a, I like to joke with people. Uh, one of the ways that I tend to joke with people is I pick on them. And the more I like you, the meaner I get. Okay? It's just, it can be that way sometimes. And I had some friends in, in college. I mean, we were just nasty to each other. You'd think, uh, you know, we, and we were close. I mean, we loved each other. We were like best friends. But if, if you would have heard, if, if you didn't know us and you heard us talking to each other, you'd think we were mortal enemies, you know, the things that we'd say. To, and, and one of the phrases that we used to use was two words, edify, stupid, you know, come on, <laughs> use your speech to build up. And, but here's the thing, no, seriously, we, we need to consider, are these words that I'm going to say going to help to build someone up or are they going to tear down? By the way, this thing that I'm going to talk about, is this pleasing to the Lord or is it perhaps gossip or slander? Colossians chapter 4 says, let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how to answer every man. God cares even about our words and sometimes it's better not to speak than to say something foolish. Because all these things matter to the Lord. And so as we get back to Matthew chapter 5, and just kind of wrap this up tonight, I, I, I want you to see that this passage is, is more than just saying, don't swear an oath. It's more than that. It, it has to do with the fact that God is concerned with everything in our life. The things that we say and even our attitudes toward him and our attitudes toward our life, how we, how we approach life as though we, that we're in charge, we're in the driver's seat, right? No, he is in charge of our life. He is involved in every aspect of our life. Let me just read again verse 34, or verses 34 through 37. But I say unto you, swear not at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool. Neither by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Neither shalt thou swear by thy head, because thou canst not make one hair white or black. But let your, uh, let your communication be 
yea, yea, it's yes, yes, and nay, nay, for whatsoever is more than these cometh of evil. Can I ask you, how is your speech? What, what, are, what, what do you talk about? Do you approach life as though there are some things that God cares about and others that he doesn't? Do you approach life and even in your conversation as though you're in control of your life and you have the ability to make decisions of what's going to happen tomorrow or a year from now? Or do you recognize and, and admit to the Lord, Lord, you're in control. I need to follow your leadership. And do you seek to use your speech in a way that pleases the Lord and edifies and is helpful or do you allow corrupt communication, evil to proceed out of your mouth?